What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics Network production! The following podcast, scheduled for one fall, is for the Journey into Wrestling Podcast Tag Team Championship. Because the Warhorse will fight until he breathes his last breath. I got the whole damn world in my hands. Your arms are just too short to box with God. You just made the list! But the man is back. Daddy's home. Ricky ain't about just taking titles. I'm about taking this up to another level that you've never seen before. I'm a wildfire burning across the countryside. I am Napalm Death. Welcome to Villain Enterprises! WrestleManiacs, and welcome back to another episode of Journey into Wrestling. It's season five, and it's episode ten. I am your host, Nate. Today, joining me, as always, the master of perfection, ten. <laughs> welcome back to the show once again, ten. The man, the myth, the legend, Buckles. How's it going, bro? You keep doing the 10 gimmick. I'm ten. obligated by by wrestling law to wrap an un, uh, a badly gimmick chair around Cody's head at some point. And then flip the crowd off when they when they chant 10 at you. He did that, actually, yeah. at uh, when we saw him in a dark match <laughs> at uh, Chicago. He did, he did that yeah. to the crowd quite a bit. It was pretty good. I will say I watched a little bit of uh, AEW Dark last night, and Sean Spears had the high point of the whole show. Nice. He got thrown. He got thrown through the wall of the waiting room. Britt Baker's little talk show. Nice. It was cheesy as hell. He made almost like a perfect hole as he went through it. But yeah, he went through there like a torpedo. It was wonderful. Excellent, excellent. Well, dude, buckles. We're just gonna break it to the crew like real because we do have a lot of different topics and things to kind of touch on today. There isn't really a form, a plan, an operative, uh, you know, a, a mode. The biggest thing happening in wrestling right now is Kenny Omega and everything he is doing. Very true. It is Very the true. number one story right now. It is what's driving more and more people to view Impact Wrestling, drive more people to view AEW Wrestling. It drove a lot of people to view Impact last week. This week it fell off a cliff. <laughs> Uh-oh, did it really? It, it That's did. actually surprising because it I watched did. I watched this week. I, I tuned in like I a fan well. girl. I don't I know how, well, it, but... how it could fall off. That's so weird. Well, I it, I would say part of it's the fact that uh, other than Kenny being on the show, Impact didn't exactly put out their best effort card-wise that first night, so not a whole lot to hook you back in. 
me personally, I have trouble watching because their Twitch stream is rough. Oh, yeah, it's bad. The Twitch stream is awful. It's got a lot of glitchy, you know, delayed audio to the set, to the video and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to say that we're perfect here. Sometimes our video no, and I mean, audio are glitchy, right. but they right. are a organization making money and, you know, typically trying to put asses in seats. So when you see them struggling, I mean, I guess it just makes it all the more real. It, it's just to... to it's unfortunate because it's not even part of the wrestling aspect of the show, but the presentation during and like in between segments, I love me some Melissa Santos. She was great on Lucha Underground, but watching her in between the like it's awkward on TV segments, her just like randomly talking about stuff was brutal. And partially because you could tell she didn't know what she was talking about. Or what she needed to be saying on a on a stream when you're put like, in a weird position was, like that. She was getting people's names wrong. She was like just kind of babbling over shit. Talked about WWE at one point and was like, "Well, no, fuck, oh, fuck the haters." Like she was okay. No one is monitoring you whatsoever. Okay, you. It was. It came off as like social media influencer trying to talk about wrestling while not having much theory of or much idea of what's going on. Which is unfortunate because she's married to Cage. She does know what's going on. Um, That's true. Well, maybe she doesn't though. Maybe, maybe she's kind of clueless to it all. Really, who knows? And then the other the other side of Impact that makes it difficult to watch on my end is Josh Matthews. Awful commentary. He's terrible. He is god awful. Oh, it's bad. Like. You can't really undersell how bad his commentary is. And like, he sounds disingenuous. He sounds fake. Like everything he says sounds complete. I guarantee that, that the announcing team for raw and SmackDown with Vince screaming into their ears and being scripted down to the word comes off as more natural than anything that Josh Matthews has to say. Do you know what I I think is weird about that though? Josh Matthews comes from the land of WWE. He was like mm-hmm. a trainee of them and mm-hmm. got put brought it. So he is broken on his own accord. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like there's right. no fixing whatever causes him to not. I I think it's you know honestly, man. Here's my opinion, man. I think Josh Matthews is one of those guys. He had the body type. A bunch of his friends said, "Oh, get on tough enough and do it." And he thought, "Oh, whatever, fucking." I don't like wrestling, man. And then he got as far as he did. Almost won the fucking thing. And then was like, oh, well, now I'm here. Yeah, now I have to be involved in this. What do I do? What sucks is they've had better announcements. Obviously, Impact's had great announcing in the past. Oh, for sure. Don West. I mean, you had Shivani was only there for a cup of coffee, as he said, and he quits the industry for 18 years. But I digress. You had uh, Mike Tanay was there for a hot minute. Taz did Mm -hmm. commentary in, in Impact. I mean, they've had some stellar voices on commentary. And truthfully, they even have guys like Matt Stryker come and do guest commentary on it now, and Stryker is miles better. People bag on on Stryker a lot. He, I thought he was great on Lucha Underground. Um, him and Vampiro. Have I've great, always uh, enjoyed Matt Stryker, honestly. Like, I think he's an all right dude. Stryker is a little hammy at times. Yeah. He gets a little wordy, but he actually seems like he cares. And that's part of it. Like he's trying to make it better. I need to tangent to something really quickly. I'm so sorry, but I got I, one for you too. You're uh, cool. Okay. Okay. So, so this morning I was, it was like, I just woke up and I'm fucking scrolling and scrolling. And I happened upon in one of the wrestling groups I'm in a video 
of a wrestler who used to be top tier in WWE. Have you seen this video at all? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't believe that I do. Okay. So I'm going to implore everybody, if you're watching at home or if you're listening on your little headphones and you're in your car, you're on your, you know, on your bike ride to work or whatever, unless it's fucking cold where you are and you're not riding your bike, that's stupid. Don't do that. We're still in Indiana, so I guarantee you there are people who are riding out in the three and four and five inches of snow. Guaranteed. In yeah. shorts. Yeah. Shorts and a hoodie. Damn. Uh, man. So anyways, <laughs> this video, okay, the video looks like this guy who is a um, recovering crack addict or maybe a recovering meth head. Like, it looks really rough, and you're like, what in the fuck? And then when you click on it and learn who the person is, it's even more shocking because... It's Charlie Haas. Really? And he looks horrible. He lost a ton of weight. He went through divorce. He's you know had to do the whole custody fight for his kids. Like, uh, seriously, if you have an opportunity, watch it. It's saddening because well, he is no, a I'm man. I'm trying to remember. I mean. I, mm. I could have sworn, and I may, be, I may be way off base on this. I thought Haas had done some indie stuff. Well, he is not doing even, indie stuff. I mean, I mean, indie stuff not all that long ago where he was still in decent demand. Uh, I want to say he'd done stuff in Mexico, but I may be, I may be thinking of Mark Jindrak, which who I know is in uh, either AAA or CMLL. But I could have sworn Haas had had some, some level of success and not too far ago. But well, that sucks. he that's uh, he's been doing a wrestling school like he's got a training facility and stuff and that's kind of his main mo and he does the indie circuits in texas and stuff but man just to look at that guy and remember like him in his prime at team angle and then like um what it's really it's really unsettling and and i hope whatever he's going through he gets better man honestly I will say one one thing I remember about Charlie Haas to date is that he still has one of my favorite uh, favorite uh, submission finishers, the uh, Haas of Pain, which was like this weird kind of like elevated, grounded uh, figure, like reverse figure four thing that was really really clever, actually. Hell yeah! Uh, uh, I but I yes, continue. Quick, I I have a tangent on my own back back at the uh, the announcing side of it. Sure. Uh, there was a, an interview uh, recently with Mauro Ronaldo about his time with WWE and why he had left. Um, and not so many words. He made some, a few comments to the, to the, to the extent that, you know, it just wasn't the right fit for him. It wasn't the right place for him. Um, he alluded to being, he needed to be left alone is kind of the words he used. And, a lot of people that read that had read the article and commented back took that to mean, well, that's the bipolar side. That is him, you know, not taking criticism or, you know, just leave me alone, leave me alone. I'll do it. Like the bullying thing that always seemed to kind of follow him around. Yeah. And I'm reading it. I'm going that. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying, leave me alone. He's like, when you reach a certain professional level, you want to be left alone. Just let me do my fucking work, man. You hired me. Let me do the work. Yeah. I don't think it's so much that, you know, he was being bullied or wanted to, you know, get away from people or be left alone in that regard. I don't think he liked being micromanaged. And we all damn well know that the one thing that Vince McMahon is very good at, other than, you know, showing his ass on live TV, is micromanaging. We know for oh, a fact yes. the announcers on both shows, on Rod SmackDown, both are heavily to the to the word micromanaged at times. And Morrow 
does not seem to be that type. Uh, so he said that, you know, he respects the hell out of people. He respects the hell out of men's and there was no ill will on parting, but it just wasn't the right feel for him. It was just kind of a, it was an interesting read to finally hear not necessarily a little bit of closure, but a little bit of uh light shined on understanding it, of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then just to keep on the tangent of, uh, you know, announcing stuff, we do have kind of a cool major announcement that's got some ramifications. And I don't know if you know about the shockwaves of this announcement, but Snoop Dogg is going to be appearing on AEW mm-hmm. for the holiday smash, the New Year smash or whatever. Yeah, the week two or whatever. But yeah. also allegedly joining commentary, and it could extend beyond just a one-time thing is the rumor, okay? I would love that. So Considering he didn't, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't he do, uh, wasn't he a, a, a talking head or a commentator for the, uh, Roy Jones Jr. Yes, he was uh, Tyson fight. He even performed right before the with, fight and got the whole. Enti- yes, exactly. And that's and that's where I was kind of getting at. But the ramifications of Snoop joining AEW at all mm-hmm. are going to be felt in WWE. And the rumor has it that Sasha is going to get squashed like a bug worse than Rusev at this point. <laughs> because Vince I... is furious that Snoop betrayed WWE essentially is how he looks at it. I'm sure he does, considering Snoop's a, uh, you know, card-carrying Hall of Famer, for whatever that means. <laughs> so is Trump. You would you would think you would think that at some point Vince or someone around Vince would include him into the fact that Snoop just kind of does whatever the fuck he wants. Absolutely, that's kind of his mo. And I don't, th- I Vince can be as pissed as he wants to be, and short of doing something to Sasha. I don't think Snoop's going to care. I really don't think it's going to bother him. Well, and, that and that's why they're saying that Sasha is probably going yeah. to be squashed. You know, she's champ right now. She's probably not going to have the belt. Carmella, they even said, might beat her at the next pay-per-view. Is, if yeah, that's, if that's, that's, that would be this weekend, I do believe. And I mean, um, I there's also a really weird thing that happens when uh, someone gets a little bit of credibility outside of WWE. Um, that Vince doesn't like and doesn't want to see happen. Maybe he squashes her because she's here in Hollywood calling. <laughs> there's a lot oh, of, uh, yes. we're going to cross into a little journey into comics here, but I know that there was a lot of things announced at the Disney conference call or investors call last week, including about, I don't know, nine and a half billion fucking star Wars shows. Any one of which could see a Sasha crossover. And then also thinking that Sasha is now a what we call in-house Disney talent because she's had that exposure. She could be in a Marvel show. She could lead one of the Marvel shows at some point, depending on what role they need her for. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Sasha has opportunities beyond the WWE. I don't think it, you know, it sucks for her, like, legacy of wrestling if that's how she ends up going out, squashed down to a bug. But then it really reflects on Vince because look at all the stars he's done that to in, like, the past two years. I want to say that, Let's say Sasha gets, you know, drummed out of WWE for whatever reason, which would be a tragedy, would be bullshit for her. However, she's going to do all right because show me a wrestling promotion on the planet that will not roll out the red carpet for her in a heartbeat. Her her following some of the uh, the the, uh, for lack of a better term, Sasha stands are some of the most prevalent and. uh, How to. Without putting too fine a point of it, she has a cult following in the way that um, certain other WWE Hall of Famers have a cult following. 
<laughs> oh, I see. I I see what they're, you did they're, there. They're very dedicated. Let's, I let's figured out way. the mystery on that forty fifth riddle you just sent me. <laughs> um, In that gigantic well, house of white. Well, not only that, but uh, she has long said that she wants to do New Japan or wrestle the Joshi style, and she's gone as far as going to train with. Mako Satomura and her her uh, her classes, so I mean, I hesitate. I would hesitate to say that Sasha would jump at the chance to do that if WWE cut her off. You could see Sasha in stardom tomorrow. No, and you're absolutely you right. A be- and a better a better ambassador or a better uh, promotional talent for stardom you can't find. No, not um, at all. And tell me, AEW, whose women's division is sorely lacking for most. <laughs> would jump at the opportunity. We'll talk about the yeah. women's division in yeah. AEW because there was some yeah. really giant, shining, bright light that happened mm-hmm. this week that I'm actually quite impressed with, but I digress. I, I do want to uh, I do want to kind of transition into, uh, into Dynamite tonight, surely for the fact that I don't want to sit on the announcement for too long. I know for a fact that you missed the first half of Dynamite, so you missed an announcement that I actually get to break to you live on camera, and I want to get the reaction. I'm not going to sit on this too long. I have to get the opportunity. Sure. Um, I hate to break this to you, but the uh, they're kind of scuttling another uh, Brandy Rhodes uh, storyline. The Shaq and uh, oh, uh, Jay Cargill thing. Okay. Probably going to go by the wayside. The reason being, they hit this really weird clip. Um, they cut to this kind of like vignette of uh, a Brandy and this puppy, I guess putting uh, ornaments on the tree at the Rhodes household. Okay. Both Cody and Brandy, both in full gear for whatever reason, like Cody's wearing the full suit at their house. And I'm, you know, it's this very Christmassy thing. There's no dialogue, it's just music. And I immediately think, well, they're talking about doing this Christmas story thing with AEW, which I'll get to in a minute, but I think maybe it's an ad for this or whatever. They go to the, they get a knock at the front door and there's a little, little wrap box and Cody grabs it and they walk in still no dialogue. They sit down on the couch, open it up. And inside is a couple little shoes and a little ornament that says new baby coming 2021. Oh, he followed the Moxley. There's your announcement. Yeah. So uh, they announced the, uh, the next generation roads. (laughs) So as it were, the great grandson or great granddaughter could be wow. of a That's crazy. So, yeah, that was announced tonight uh, indirectly. Uh, so you did miss that. So, so I get the opportunity to announce that one. That means that yeah, Jade Cargill can't really go beat the shit out of Brandy. It just doesn't really. Uh, yeah. I mean, they could be, they could also Unless, be playing a really dark angle. <laughs> I was just saying that I, that would be. You might not want to touch on that. That's uh, that's getting into Lita and Snitsky and you. you it wasn't we, 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 my fault. It wasn't your fault, but it wasn't anyone's fault that we had to watch it either. You goddamn right. You goddamn <laughs> right. But um, well, no. I, I, let me rephrase it. It was. It was Vince's fault. You no. That absolutely. <laughs> so that was I, the major uh, announcement. What other yeah. things happened in that first hour? I came in, and I'm guessing um, that some of that first hour was the 14 man major tag match they had. Some of that bleeding was, yeah. over. Um, there was also a six man with uh, Hangman and Dark Order uh, against the Hardy Party, which the Hardy okay. Party won. Hardy okay. Party won. 
Um, Hangman with Dark Order? Yeah, that was the joke. That was kind of like he needed a tag team, and they were they've been badgering him about it. So he finally said, "Fuck it, okay." So Reynolds and Silver came out in dusters and cowboy hats too, and like the Kurt Angle stupid. The Beef Boys are back. Yeah, the Beaver Boys. Um, So there was that. There was. um, Let me think here. They had Cody and Angelico in a match, which wasn't bad. Um, They had Taz come out and confront Cody afterwards, and Sting shows up at the bat to run them off again, not saying anything, as usual. Just kind of shows up, does his whole entrance, shows up, looks not even down at the ring, but looks across the ramp because they've got those two like the two conjoining ramps. Yeah. So team Taz is on one. Here comes Sting on the other. Just kind of looks over and kind of waves, gives Cody a wink and then leaves. And that was enough to run them off. Apparently. Huh? Um, I mean, I like that they're using Sting every week. That's cool. I really disliked the segment last week. What? As much as it was. Okay. You had told me the week before that you really wanted to see Sting as this mysterious, dark character. Sure. And what did he do? He came out and hugged Shivani and led the crowd in there. Hey, can we get an interesting chant? Yay. I mean, like it was yeah, so, he went back to like. So cheesy. I think that that's, listen, that's the evolution of him as a character, though. You got to think Surfer Sting, Crow Sting. You had TNA Sting, Joker guy, then the Hall of Fame shit. And then now right. you're at a point where he has done and seen it all. So he's embracing. You know what he's doing? Here's what he's doing. He's un he's he's unundertakering it because Undertaker kept the mystique until the last possible second. Sting's like, you know what? I might have one year, two years left, but we'll pull the curtain back now, baby, and we'll just give you guys the peaks. Here's here's the problem with that is that none of what he said or did matches the presentation that they're giving him. No, you're right. You're right. Well, like, I mean, nothing I w- nothing says winter is nothing says winter is coming in the vigilante with the bat like. The gentleman that sees you in the uh, in the uh, aisle at Walgreens and says, "I haven't seen you in a few weeks. How are you doing?" <laughs> no, man, I get it. I get it. I just think that I think that Sting's going to turn it up when he's ready to turn it up. I think we've learned that with AEW, they might bring somebody in early, and we're like, "What are they doing with this person?" But then when the time is right, they strike really hot with them, and we've seen it a couple times already. Yeah, we so, have. We so. Have. It's Sting, man. It's fucking Sting. They're not gonna mess it up. It He's not gonna I, let them mess it up. I'm not. I'm not gonna say they're they're messing it up. It's just like it's just a head scratcher to me. Here's a like match. The, that, just, here, yeah. here's a match that I I I want a fantasy book just real quick. So this is after the Sting Cody angle. We don't need to sit on that for super long, but you know, you 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 don't you're you're not in in you're not at Daly's place. You go to a video vignette. And it's the Hardy compound. And it's Matt Hardy. And a knock on the door. And there's a crow on the door with a note in its mouth. And then it's an invitation to the ring with Sting. And he's like, oh, Sting just invited me to the ring or whatever. So then Sting comes out. And you can actually get a red hot, like, not mean, but just mad enough Sting where he says, you know, one of the most embarrassing moments in my entire fucking career he wouldn't say fucking by the way it's sting he's not gonna say fucking let's just be real with you there he's not gonna do it don't expect it but as you go the most embarrassing moment in my career was involved with your brother because he's a waste (laughs) of talent and i need to feel 
some satisfaction and right that wrong. And not to say that you're like him, but you're who's who's going to get it taken out on them. And then he beats the shit out of Matt Hardy in like a compound match where it's all cinematic. It would be fucking amazing. Are you kidding me? I, I, I'll take the same two, but give you a little bit different. I want full-on broken Matt versus Sting just to get the Lake of Reincarnation where we get Joker Sting, where we get Crow Sting, where we get Surfer Sting. Yes. And every time he comes out, he's got different color face paint on. <laughs> Do oh. that, and I'll be happy with it. I'm about it. Now, see, I, just, I'm about it. It's just, it's it's a little off-putting to me to see him so casual. Sure. When oh, it's, totally. It's, it's odd to see him being casual when they're still trying to present him as being a serious thing. Sure. So it's just, sure. it's just a tonal. It's a weird tonal shift. I don't, didn't care for. Sure. Um, they did have an interesting moment with it tonight, where when he came out, there was only one member of Team Taz that everyone kind of backed off, except one needed to be held back and was going to go after Sting. Ricky, Hobbs, Powerhouse Hobbs was not threatened. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess it makes snarl. sense, but like. I don't hey, know. Put the, put the new guy over. He needs a character. Sure, sure. But he needs he needs a gimmick or character other than having the first name powerhouse. <laughs> I mean, fair point. Or uh, maybe his point. first name's power. Middle name's house. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Why did I just power say- H power H Hobbs? <laughs> There's your episode. Title power H Hobbs. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, man. What that's... happens when I don't get enough sleep? <laughs> that's okay. That's a good one. We'll hold that in the Rolodex. We'll see if anything <laughs> tops it. But uh, I will say this. So the the seven-man tag match, whatever, the inner circle one, I don't know where they're going with that. I, you know. I, I did like the continuity of having the beef between Wardlow and Hager still teased a little bit, although Hager never needs to do an F5 again. That was awful. That was terrible looking. <laughs> very bad. Very, very yes, bad. Yes, yes, very bad. Uh, he just kind of dumped him out front. But, but after that, I think the thing I really want to jive on about, because, there, I mean, there was some cool stuff in Impact, obviously, or not Impact, Dynamite. I have watched so much wrestling buckles, my brain is frazzled with what I'm talking about this week. And I that's like pretty it. impressive. Like when I later, we're going to be later in the show, and I'm going to start bringing up promotions that I watched this week. And even the listener and the audience are going to be like, "Who the fuck does this guy think I, he is taking Buckles' I, gimmick?" I have, I know exactly what you're going to be bringing up, and I'm proud of you for it. Um, and there was a, I, I like the angle to close the show. Um, I thought the match with uh, Kenny and uh, and uh, Janela was. It was what it was. It's Janela doing a, a hardcore match. There and was a pretty fucking, brutal spot, though, where I thought he, he well, really he, broke his neck. There is that. He also completely blasted Kitty in the head with the trash can at the outside of the match. <laughs> like, that wasn't pulled at all. Um, but, you know, the match was what it was. Um, I I love the idea of Phoenix getting the... Uh, getting the title shot next week because he never did lose in the t- in the tournament. That's great continuity for one. Yes, absolutely and, right. And it's great chemistry between those two because hey, Kenny does have a belt that he won off of Phoenix. And I've been saying for months now that I wanted to see Phoenix in the title picture. So, I'm all for all of the above. Hell yeah. Should be a banger. 
So it should be an absolute banger. So before we dive further into Kenny Omega, because I, I want to kind of reverse pivot just for a minute back to one of my favorite segments on Dynamite tonight. Do you know what this segment was? Can't say that idea. Brother, let me just tell you, I loved seeing Thunder Rosa so fired up, and the angle uh, they yeah, played okay. with Britt actually, yeah. actually had me like, fuck, I need to see that. They sold they me a, on Britt more than I have ever seen. And do you know I what agree. I noticed in Britt Baker? The one thing I noticed, the minute, and, and when I say it, you're going to be like, fuck, he's right. The minute that Undisputed Era went more of a face faction, Britt has become like legitimately Adam Cole-level evil. And she's, she's starting to really coached, play on yes. it. Oh, yeah. She's very much been getting coached mm-hmm. at home, and that's, it shows. But it's um, good. She's been she's been better in the ring since coming back. Her match with uh, with uh, legit Layla Hirsch was very good. We mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but she's got her character work uh, throughout all the time she was in the wheelchair. Did a great job, uh, even though the end of the Swole feud was kind of a dud with that uh, dentist office match or whatever. Um, yeah, that was kind of a dud itself. But the feud was really good. She's gotten that character. She nails that character. Her getting the uh, the uh, waiting room talk show during dark is very well done. It's yeah. cheesy as shit. It is absolutely, it's set up like a sitcom. You can see the audience watching her outside. You can see people walking through a door into the room from outside. You know, there's a, there's a freaking wall. I there. love it. It's so kitschy. It's, though. it's really, it is really kitschy um, and really cheesy, but it works very well for her. Uh, she's got uh, Reba rebel as her, um kind of henchman kind of that unwitting like doofy henchman does really well um and she and, and uh thunder rosa have had some great interactions on twitter even the last couple of weeks and then to a couple beat downs or a couple uh pull apart brawls that have been very fun so really they may have their first truly great women's feud on their hands I absolutely agree. And then, of course, that just begs this really interesting question, and I know that it's kind of muddled right now. You've got Serena Deeb as your NWA Women's Champion. Hikaru Shida is still your uh, your AEW Women's Champion. Yep, feuding, feuding with Abaddon, more Which, or less. that is pretty cool. Uh, Abaddon is terrifying, and Ali does not like her at all because she's terrifying. That makeup she has is is, is choice. That's very good. She's not uh, the fiend, creepy, cool. She's just, oh god, no, no. She took no all the uh, the black Swedish metal bands and said, like, this is how to do like the best corpse paint. <laughs> she, uh, she, she went to Norway and just went, fuck me up, fam. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. Um, like she is, her gimmick is pretty much nope. <laughs> she is, she is a gimmick full of nope, and all the in all the best way. Yeah, no, uh, I absolutely agree. But just to quickly go back just for one second on on Thunder Rosa, she just cut a really impassioned promo. It was so well done. The timing of her getting like distracted and then beat down is again a really well produced segment. And uh, I am very hopeful for that feud and what it means coming out of it because I think it could mean in some weird way that maybe Thunder Rosa positions herself actually in a title position to go for the AEW title I know I know she is she has said herself that her contract with 
with uh, NWA is still another year at least. So, I mean, she could be working all of this very possibly. But if that's to be believed, then she's not signed with AEW yet, which makes this all the more interesting. Correct. Now let's weave the thread together real quick here for this. Well, for- well, there's also there's also the thought that NWA is still kind of up in the air completely so she's just doing what she can oh totally and that and that's kind of what i want to get back to kind of threading that needle in because the question mark of nwa but them still working with aew is Wait, the huge. question mark aha <laughs> i didn't mean to do that but the, the karate <laughs> karate uh anyways go ahead I was gonna say they, if they brought him into AEW, that gimmick would get over like hell. I the question I mark versus Orange Cassidy match of the year. Oh my god, yes! I mean, just any question mark versus Chris Jericho. The Orange question mark. Oh my god, Y two J versus the yes. question mark. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Uh, Aaron Stevens. I think Aaron Stevens would get over in in uh, in AEW, and I'm not even a fan of his for the most part. Definitely, I definitely agree but, with that. But, I'm all over the place. Go ahead. But no, it's okay. But I'm going to thread that needle a little bit because AEW works with NWA. That's obvious. Now we know and we've seen it, and whether it seems like an invasion angle or not, Impact and AEW are working together in tandem. And I'm going to thread the needle even further because AEW is also working with AAA down in Mexico and facilitating some things there. So what we have right now is, and we talked about it last week, is the whole concept that Kenny is saying, I'm the belt collector. It's what I do. I collect belts. And at the time he said it, he was, you know, Kenny two belts. Thing is, is. he went down to Mexico and defended that title against Laredo Kid. And let's start Mm -hmm. there because just real quickly... One of the I've best. Not, I've not had a chance to watch it yet. I'm I'm throwing that. Out there. I haven't had a chance to watch it. It's yet. okay, but it is still one of the best matches I've seen Kenny Omega do, and it just proves again when he's given just that little extra boost of time and the trust to just do his style, he knocks it out of the ballpark with anyone. So let's set it up a little bit. Kenny Omega comes out as champion with Michael Naka 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 Nakazawa. Of all the people to corner him. Okay, sure, sure, sure. But Laredo Kid comes out with Vikingo. Okay. Who's awesome. Oh, yeah. Vikingo is fucking awesome. We're, we'll get there. We'll get there. It was a very, very, very well-paced, thought-out match. A lot of great action, spots, moments. There was some cool outside stuff that's just mind-blowing. Vikingo and Michael Nakazawa get involved at one point, and there's like a crazy off of a forklift move that's mind blowing. I'll I'll leave you guys to watch it, but all in all, I just kept sitting there watching Kenny going, "This fucking guy, he has that X factor." And the fact they're actually they did it the smart way, okay? And what what do you mean? Who, who did what the smart way? AEW booked him right. Brought him in. He's nice. He's the new one of the faces of the company, EVP. Things don't quite go right, and he starts to fall off the rocker. But it's not fall off the rocker. He is wiping the fake shine they lustered on him, giving him that title of EVP off to go back to who he really is, the cleaner. And this really vicious, super aggressive, 
well-thought-out professional athlete, and he kills it. And that AAA match is... We're going to be doing awards soon. It's it, it definitely... It's on my it's on my list to watch this weekend. I'll definitely but be checking I'm, it out. But I'm telling you, it's going to go in match of the year for you. It's It might not win, but it's going to be in that category because okay. it's... It's fucking great. I loved it, and and hopefully I wasn't just like uh, you know blazed out of my mind and miswatched the match. I don't think I did. I was really into it. I was like, I took screenshots of the fucking match, people, on as, my phone. As, I do have to say, as a quick aside, I've seen some highlights of some of the other stuff that night. Did you watch any of the rest of the show? The uh, uh, the uh, the only other match I watched, and this was just timing. I'm, it, sorry, I'm trying to remember that. What was the name of the show? It, whatever it was was 27 or 28 it was the 27 yeah. or 28th one i'm i'm terrible yeah. with names too but uh they had something and i had actually read about this before i watched the event that marvel and disney are t- in talks or talking about planning to do a lucha libre wrestling league where all the performers are superhero based okay cool mm-hmm. They did that. They, this was like the fucking pilot episode one of that. And you had you had your Captain America and your uh, Spider-Man in a tag team match against Venom and Thanos mm-hmm. or <clears throat> Terror Purpura. So my question has to be here. Do you know who played who? No idea who anybody under the masks were. I do. Oh, uh, one of them, the gentleman playing uh, the Venom analog, I'm not familiar with. I will say that. Sure. However, you should have recognized Thanos. Cage. It was Cage. Oh, yes, very much so. He finished with a drill claw. I didn't even put that. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> that was 100 Cage. That's great. Um, the Captain America analog. Was uh, Daga oh, uh, of Impact of MLW and of nice. uh, Life, and uh, the Spider-Man analog? Did you notice was rocking the Ben Riley look? Yes. So full body suit covered any noticeable tattoos, covered any noticeable hair coloring, anything like that. Was it Ray Phoenix? It was not. Leo Rush. That was Leo Rush. This is my face yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. Oh. Because Leo Rush has blue hair right now and has a ton of tattoos. So, so to keep it so to keep it uh, that's why that's why the Ben Riley look. No. So, yeah. That was So Terra Pupura was Terra Machina. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah, uh it was cool. It was really a fun match. It was unique in what it did and how it was and you know, it is a little corny cuz it's it's superheroes, but Here's the cool thing after the match, and actually let's let's see if you can tell me this then. I, I don't I don't know who the I don't know who the third the last one. Was. Okay, so not. so I'm glad you didn't spoil it and just say what I'm about to say because that would have took the piss out of my sails a little bit. I was see, like, we were, oh. we were together here. That was good. It was good. So um yeah, so Cage or uh, let me uh, hold on, <laughs> Venom and Terra Papura are beating the shit out of your captain spider-man after the fact and they and they won they the 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 villains won the match right and I, i'll say villains not heels these are villains folks let's get right. it right right rudos as it were yeah and then the lights go out and then when they come back on a fucking 
badass looking female ass woman ass looking ass motherfucker <laughs> is Captain Marvel in the ring looking dope as shit. And I, I was like, I was, I have to say. So you, you can tell just based on the names in the match, how good the quality would have been there. There alone. Uh, I do have to ask. Uh, you said you watched those two matches. Did you watch the main event? I missed the main event, not because I wanted to, but yeah, had dramas. Um, I haven't seen the whole match. Uh, just we don't really talk about Triple A very often, but uh, it was Pagano versus Chessman in a hair versus hair match. Yes, and they're not—they're both Joey Janela type, or they're not the greatest technical wrestlers, but they do crazy shit. Yes, and um, I've seen a clip, one of the spots that uh, Chessman who ended up losing the match. Uh, did a suicide dive through the ropes to try to land on Pagano on a set of chairs that were sitting up and Pagano moved <laughs> and Chessman, I mean, ate it face first into an open chair off a dive. It was horrific looking. <laughs> if I can find it, I will please see link. link it, link it I, to me can, during the show. If you even I, can, I, I, I will, will watch it. And You'll you guys can see me go, what the fuck? Okay, You'll well, give me some time. This, this I will was, give you Sunday. some time because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk a little bit more about what go Kenny ahead. Omega's doing because here's the thing with Kenny. I said he was on Impact last week. We covered that. He was a little aloof. They said there was going to be a major announcement on, thir- on Wednesday, and he was a little aloof. And it's all this aloofness until... He also showed up at Final Resolution and had an awesome moment with uh, Carl Anderson, which is cool. And they got to chatting, and that was cool, and it had a nice old-school Bullet Club kind of vibe. And then this week on Impact, Kenny Two Belts, you know, uh, was out and was in his bus watching or whatever, and Carl Anderson had a match against Chris Sabin, I do believe, of Motor City Machine Guns. And uh, essentially, when the match was over, you had Rich Swan come out. And then they were, there were some backstage shenanigans, and Doc Gallows comes out. And then here we go. Kenny Omega comes out and beats the shit out of Rich Swan. That's important. Rich Swan is your Impact World Champion. And right now, Kenny Omega, AEW Champion, is aligning himself with those good old brothers. And what happened right after was this. Announced for the Hard to Kill pay-per-view, Saturday, January 16th, live on pay-per-view. Kenny Omega and the Impact World Tag Champions, the Good Brothers, will be facing Impact World Champ Rich Swan and the Motor City Machine Guns in what is going to be, honestly, a banger classic one hell of a match. It's early in the new year, and it will already probably be a match of the year contender, in my opinion. Buckles? Did you find it for me? It is sent to you, my dude. And I'm also tweet, uh, retweeting it right now. Okay, excellent. See, look how Buckles is multifaceted. He's doing like eight things on the podcast all at the same time. He's like the pro of pros. But anyways, yeah, man, I've been watching a lot of wrestling. The Kenny stuff has been exponentially nifty. I loved that after they beat the shit out of Rich Swan, it was, you know, they, talk, they, they dropped the word Bullet Club and they did the four life and that was sick i was like oh fucking shots fired here we go so you'll have to give me one second here sure. um the 
So that link I just sent you is the Chessman dive. Okay. Um, I actually expected uh, Rich Swan to be the interfering in the show today. I thought that was what was going to finish the uh, Joey Janela match. holy shit what yeah no yes so for those of you who who aren't able to watch this live feed i don't know if you can get that up on the video at all hell you might just put it up to the computer my god i don't know how well it's going to come across but uh kind of god he eats it like (laughs) shit bro that's an awful spot (laughs) oh my god that is that tweet has been put up on our official Twitter as well. So if you haven't, if you don't have a chance to watch the live feed here, go check out the Twitter J I W on J I C. It is live now. Uh, the uh, what not to do with the dive? <laughs> one oh fucking one, bro. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I was. I, I was there's another. And... There's another how not to dive one oh one that's just as bad. See Undertaker WrestleMania twenty five. I think it was. Sean Michaels. Uh, well, you know, I'm going to send you something real quick if I can find it on my phone. So I actually have a uh, a screen bra- screen grab of it. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart. Um, the uh, I got to see if I can find it here. One of the worst worst uh, takes on a dive I've seen in recent memory. One of my first uh, Shotzi Blackheart matches that I've gotten to see. I got to find it here. Um. Talk amongst yourselves. No, uh, Shotzi goes to dive into a uh, into someone and ends up going through a complete row of chairs. Oh no! Yes, very much so. Ugh. I have to find it. Not a fan. Where are you? I will find it and send it. I'll put. I will send it to you as soon as I can. Sure, but as he was saying, folks, just as a quick aside, please do check out our Twitter. That's J I W on J I C. Ah, here we go. As he finds it. I, this is one that I actually made a, uh, a gif of myself, so I still have it on my phone. Nice. <laughs> I just had to figure out what the hell folder it was in. So this is Shotzi being the ballsy badass that she is, sent to you now as well. Uh, very similar. <laughs> We're going to get my face in real time yet again as soon as it yep. pops up. And actually, if you want to see this on a big screen, this was from the Evolve show that went up on... It was the Evolve Anniversary show that WWE aired about a year or so ago. Uh, it was kind of a special event. Uh, it was a Shotzi Blackheart match, I think, against Austin. Uh, not Austin Theory, but uh, uh, another gal who is now signed to WWE. But yeah, Shotzi uh, stage diving into about two rows of open chairs. Did you find? Did you see? It, it's not uh, loading on my messenger yet. It's taken a minute. Okay. That's my phone, not you. That's all right. So... Um, yeah, Shotzi, uh, Shotzi got my respect from that alone. But um, yeah, you you really there was there was even some uh, some legit uh, controversy over dives recently as well. Did you hear the Jr. thing? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He called out the the. the okay, I'm glad we're talking about this because this is a little controversial. But I'm going to share my viewpoint because I kind of happen to, in a weird way, agree with Jr. And what I mean by that is because I have noticed a trend in the past five years where if somebody's going to do a super crazy spot, 18 people are out there to catch him Mm -hmm. on the spot. And it's like it's not, 
okay, you just did a backwards dive into all your fucking friends' hands. It's not that spectacular anymore. And it takes the luster and the shine and the speciality of those moves away. Yeah, it's it's really something that comes down to, and I agree with JR as well, actually, that it's okay if you get it once in a blue moon, once in every show or something like that. But when you're getting them every freaking match or, you know, every you see it every show. Yeah, it does take some of the way. Oh, you, the Shotzi thing went through. Yeah, okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Shot, my Shotzi's God. A, Shotzi's a tough chick. Yeah. So, again, oh, this is, man. if you want to see that one live, that's on the uh, the Evolve anniversary show that WWE aired. It should still be on the network. You could also tweet uh, it if you're feeling it. I will. I've tweeted it before, actually. Um, that's why I had it in the first place. There you go. There you go. That actually, I got I screen grabbed that uh, because I put it up on the Facebook feed. It's one of the first things I put up on the Facebook page. Oh, hell yeah! So, um, hey, we're live, pal. I didn't know. Yeah, it's all right. Um, and I've lost track of my train of thought. No, uh, the dive thing that the spots like that, the Tower of Doom thing, where you get in a multi-person match where there's you know a six-man power bomb off the top rope. Oh yeah, and they stack it, and it's crazy, yeah. and everybody. Oh my god, it's like it looks cool. It does look cool, but it it you lose something when it's happening every match. Even just a regular suicide dive is kind of loses its luster because everybody fucking does them, and not everybody does them well. Um, arguably the best one right now. The only person I would like to see continue doing uh, doing these dives is Darby Allen. You see, he's the only one that looks realistic while he's doing it. Like a dart one. being thrown at a dartboard. I, I read something the other day that uh, Darby does his dives not with the intention of, of popping a crowd or showing. He does those dives with the intention to hurt. Like, they already move in the arsenal. Yes. Uh, that's cool. Especially when he pulls them off the very beginning of the match where he just comes out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Hits you like a train, good man. Old, good old uh, skateboard sting special. Um. Yeah, getting back to the, the, the larger point of Kenny and, and the belt collector bit, I thought that Rich Swan was going to come on to kind of advance that angle tonight on Dynamite. I think they kind of probably should have. Oh, I'm sure um, before. So actually, you know what they'll probably do is have him come out during the Phoenix match. That's the next that's time Kenny's defeal, defending the belt where it'll actually matter. That'll feud well, into the, the hard-to-kill pay-per-view three weeks depends. away. It depends. It would work It would work if he cost Kenny the belt, but we know that's not going to happen. Well, no, but you don't even necessarily need to cost him the belt as much as you need to come out after the fact and just get in his face or whatever, sure. you know, yeah. and, and, like, cause a ruckus because that's something. Listen, as of right now, Kenny's the crossover king. And no one else has crossed over yet, though. And, I mean, we've had the rumor. It's going like, to happen. But. Exactly. But we've had the rumor like, oh, well, the Good Brothers are who took Mox out. It wasn't Kenny. Right. We and, haven't seen anything to that effect yet. And, but, and, yeah. and you said it. You know, Rich is probably going to need to do something soon. My question is, and, and, and I need your opinion on this because it kind of pissed me off. Are they fucking up and delegitimizing the validity of the AAA title by not having him also have it on Dynamite? No, especially he's, if he's going to be the belt collector. I would have him come out with it, probably, but not defend it or whatever. I would. Have oh, no, sure, sure, it. sure. I, I, that's what I mean. Just have it like on him. It, it does strike me as a little odd. I would have Callus come out and holding it. Like, there have, have you Callus go. Kind of like uh, Heyman used to do it. Um, But yeah, I mean, especially considering they've had him defend that belt on like dark before. 
it, it, they've had him. I think they've had him defended on dynamite before. Yeah, he. Oh, uh, I can't think who he defended it against. I don't either. I know the one defense that I saw was the live show I was at was him and uh, 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 Jack Evans uh, on Dark. But yeah, I, I don't know that you have to have him defend it so much as just have it shown, have it appear. They don't seem to really be doing that. It's weird because they don't really seem to be doing the belt collector gimmick on Dynamite like this yet. Uh, yeah, and I think like that's that's got the... to play in with the whole Tony Khan thing, which I love that, by the way. They bought space for video uh, ads, and then right. the ads are them burying impact right. to further the feud. But like I think you said last week, put Tony Khan in a really weird position where he's a good, bad guy, bad, good guy kind of thing. Uh, not so much. I think... I think the only thing I really learned from the uh, from those ads is the storyline they want to pit Impact and, and AEW against each other. But who, you know, what role the face plays on that has to do with what show they're on. Of course, he's going to be a face on AEW. He's going to be a heel to Impact. Sure. But it's also proven the fact that outside of these kind of gimmicky, goofy things, Tony Khan does not need to be a speaking personality. No. <laughs> he he. He does good at this. He's fine at this. He doesn't need to be doing anything else. Please, please God, no. Don't do anything else. Um, and I, I, I love the fact of, again, I've, I've talked how much I enjoy Shivani on AEW. He's the one that legitimately seems like he's enjoying himself the most. And uh, he seems to be enjoying those ads like hell, too. His interaction then, with Callus tonight was pretty interesting. That was, that was what I was getting at. That was wonderful. He's like, yeah, screw you, buddy. Go away. Kiss my ass is what he <laughs> Kiss said. Kiss my ass, Callus. Yeah, I love it. And, and that was I cool, too, because it. it showed that Tony's not a pushover. Right. You know, and I loved that. I love that, like, you don't, who the fuck are you talking to? But then I also love yeah. Don Callis and Kenny calling the match on mm-hmm. microphones. You know, like, here's the thing. Here's the funny thing. Leo Rush did it first. That was Leo Rush and Lashley first. I mean, you're not wrong. Although, although I really, it was bothering me how much John Callis was saying, by God, in that After match. every that's a That's move. a Tope Con by God. Like, okay. It's actually a Tope Con Heron. Yeah. I will say he does, uh, there's one thing he's doing, and I noticed someone who was talking to, to Pac at the end of the show, that is a great, heel tendency or great heel quality and a sure. great heel mannerism sure. because it pisses everybody off when it happens to them. You know, he calls everybody kid. Yes. How it, like that's something that I'm watching. Like I hate him because uh, when somebody does that to me. I hate that. Pac was I, giving I these like that. evil. I tell you what, I don't know. Like I know obviously AEW is a really big, beautiful family of wrestlers who have like this mm-hmm. like creative gel together. And I love that energy. But I also think that some of their stuff is really well done because they don't always let everybody in on everything. And do you think that Pac and Don Callis sat down and said, this is what I'm going to say to you, man. This, I hope it's okay. No. Don was can, on the fucking I, I can, fly just riffing. Yeah. You know, just I can see I can see Callis going, I'm going to piss you off. Just, FYI, just a I'm warning. Gonna I'm going to say some. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to be kind yeah. of a dickhead, but I, I'm not going to tell you exactly what I'm going to say because I'll right. tell you when I get out there. I'll know right. what I'm feeling and how to push the story. And he's doing a great job. And then it, mm-hmm. again, here we are. It's Wednesday night. We're a, a little day late, dollar short on the releaseage of the episode, which is what it is. But. But. This makes you want to watch more Impact and more Dynamite to see what is going to actually happen, which is the plan. 
And like I said, you already have the cross-pollination of NWA in there. How interesting would it be if they played their own invasion angle like WWE did? Like I rebooked and have been rebooking, but they do it much better, much cohesive, and for the now, that actually makes sense where two separate entities are learning how to cohabitate. Mm -hmm. And this brings me to the grand scheme, Buckles, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm just going to pat myself on the back. Because I know I said months and months and months ago, hey, Abby, how's it going, doggo? Uh, My hand being licked over here. Months and months and months ago, I said, how does WWE get beat? And it was, if all these little guys band together. The Coalition, absolutely. And here it is coming to light. I don't know if you guys saw this or not. Last week, Impact did better than this week, Raw. Raw score a lower rating than Impact, I, or not Impact um, Dynamite. I did. I keep fucking that up. I'll. I'll I was fix gonna it. say. I was gonna say. Uh, Impact Impact scoring better than Dynamite's this thing. Yes. I I wouldn't be hard pressed to say that we would get better ratings than Raw. <laughs> but I will. I, but uh, I'm pretty sure I just did see though that Raw lost to Dynamite. I wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it really it would not at all. Because this me. week's Raw was like the lowest rated Raw in fifteen years or something. There's some headline there that I that, just saw. That I'm not aware of. Yeah, it was really bad. I, I can't say that the ratings were that bad. I don't. Uh, the quality of the show, Raw is Raw is just boring. It's just flat out boring. Raw is bore. Yep. Oh damn it! That might be a better. <laughs> damn it. Um, no, the uh, it's almost sad because. You titled the episode that that implies that we're going to talk a lot about it. And I really don't have that much to talk about with Robbie. We're not going to talk a lot about it. And actually, weirdly enough, I think there's an episode in season two that's raw as bore. So I don't think we can Ah. double down. So I think that's all right. Um, So just the the rundown of what I even remember from raw two nights ago, we had I told you about the the really stupid Nia Jax line of the boobs on her back. They kept playing that up. They mentioned they ran that whole segment again. But um, fucking Vince, we, they had this whole this long drawn out angle of Nia, of Nia putting Lana through tables and bullying, bullying Lana and Lana's going to come fight back. And really, what's the payoff to that? Logically, the payoff is the two of them in a match with Lana going over. Right. Yeah. You know, on a pay-per-view, that's, you know, it, it in the hopes that people are buying into it enough to want to see it. But that's the logical end point. Well, we got the match. It just wasn't at a pay-per-view. And it only lasted about maybe three minutes, four minutes. And it ended with this really creepy um, sex position-esque pin that Rusev took credit for afterwards. Like, oh, I, I, I saw I that. my wife that pin. Last night. Yeah. Um, I showed her that pin last night. Yeah, but here's the problem. Yes, Lana went over, but then immediately got annihilated by Nia and uh, uh, Shayna Baszler. But that was a storyline writing well, her out of a real injury, well, right? I No, I don't know. I'm pretty they, sure I they, just they, saw that, that they had to pull her from TLC because of a legitimate injury. If they did because of an injury, that would make more sense. But I, I haven't heard anything to that effect myself. I may be out of the loop on it, but... Just going by what I saw, what they aired on TV was they pulled her out of the match for no apparent reason after, you know, 
she got her moment to shine and then immediately got the shine taken off and then pulled out of the match and then gone. So all of that for ostensibly nothing. Yeah, here, uh, according even, to even, comic... Even in- According to comicbook.com, sorry to cut you off. I just want to confirm this really quick. Lana was officially pulled from Sunday's TLC pay-per-view this week after she was brutally attacked once again by Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. After being bullied for over two months, the ravishing Russian was supposed to be on a team with Asuka to face Jax and Baszler for the tag titles. In recent weeks, she had repeatedly managed to get the best of the two, Um, but it's been a full day, and she hasn't said anything on social media, so... It seems that it is uh, unclear currently if it is legitimate injury or if this is just WWE getting a chance to bump that storyline out to a later date. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna venture and say that because there was no, I've seen no rumor to her having an injury, and most of the stuff I follow is Meltzer and the credible stuff. Sure. So as credible as you want to say Meltzer is, but I. I don't know. It seemed for all the world like they're just going, well, that's the end of that. And I mean, to the extent where they're wondering, okay, who are they replacing Lana with? Is it going to be they brought back, they brought Dana into it, and then they brought uh, Mandy Rose back into it out of really nowhere. And there's people wondering if this is how they're going to bring Charlotte back. And yeah, none of Mm. it makes any sense whatsoever. It It was all very dumb. I saw there's a rumor um, also that Charlotte is going to possibly get teamed with Andrade. I mean, there's there's some smoke to that fire in the sense that they're legitimately together, but the issue you have with that is the fact that every, that Vince and management are high on Charlotte and don't seem to give a shit about Andrade. <laughs> so that's not really helping him at all, or that's helping him, not helping her at all. Correct. Um, you also had the angle of... Uh, Bray Wyatt and Orton, which involved the game of hide and seek and then involved Bray getting locked into a wooden trunk by Orton, who set it on fire because apparently when it comes to Bray, he becomes a giant pyromaniac. And then the fiend popped out of the box instead. And that was how they ended the show. They've they've finally figured out, hey, we can do shit like that now. You know, six months, eight months after the Thunderdome, they finally realized, hey, we can do these weird cinematic things. These um, clowns, man. Ugh. Yeah, it was a mess. Um, I guess New Day and Hurt Business are still feuding because they're the only two tag teams left. Um, I don't know what's going on with Retribution because that doesn't really matter. They're feuding with they're feuding with Ricochet, but they they're do. They, it seems like they're already doing stuff that might lead to the breakup where Ali is really hard on the two people there or the people in the ring. It's, it's all very, very dumb. Um, you have the main event angle of McIntyre versus AJ Styles at TLC, which is a good match, but then they're shoehorning the Miz and the money in the bank contract into it, which also involves Sheamus maybe turning, maybe not turning. We don't really know. Keith Lee is somehow involved in it now. Uh, there's also the very strange thing from uh, from Raw, the rumor. Did you hear about the Keith Lee rumor? That he got sent back to the Performance Center for more training, yes. Yes, with, along with Dio Madden, along with uh, Baba Tunde, uh, or I guess whatever, Dabakato, or whatever the hell his name is, and uh, the giant friend of AJ Styles, whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Um, Omos is what I think they're calling him. But 
to like there's there's been all these like talk of him being sent down there for it and this this furthering his his training but no real indication as to why that was necessary yeah so you have people wondering if did vince give up on him already or does vince not like him are they trying to change you know what he does which is very good what brought him to the show in the first place um, or is it they just think he needs a little more seasoning to get a certain angle over or maybe it's his promos we don't really know anything about it it's all very strange hmm. yeah it's all very weird um and that's pretty much everything i remember from raw um matt riddle's still on the show his existence still annoys me okay um you have Goldberg somehow talking about wanting a match with with Reigns because you know booking booking your SmackDown title holder into a match with with Goldberg in a pay per view that went really well for Bray. Ugh, um, no, yeah, yeah. Can I say uh, that bothers me too? That they did a WWE Untold on the 173 match winning streak that Goldberg never really had. Like, come on, dog. You can't hype that number of that fake fucking number like it's still real. Like, we all know it's fake, dog. Well, there's also the fact that Oscar broke it. So you've got the better uh, you've got the better record and you've got her teaming with Lana in a stupid bullshit angle. So <laughs> so let's tell me more about how you value that streak um, over on Smack or over on uh, on NXT. Uh, they're booking their New Year's Evil show. Love um, the name. Yep. They have uh, Gargano is now leading his own faction called The Way. Yeah, I like that song from the 90s. I was the- just going to say fastball wants a check for that. Yeah. But um, every everyone knows the roads they walk on are paved in gold, man. Come on. I, I'm going to I'm going to tell you something. I read this evening in the summary of NXT and it's going to get the almighty eye roll from you. I guarantee you. I be careful. Very- I might walk off the show. Austin Theory is part of this faction. Okay. His finisher of late has been the just a straight up TKO. Okay. Uh, prior to leaving, he called the ATL. Okay. Based on what I read on Cage Side tonight, uh, I don't know if they mentioned it on the show or not, but apparently he is now calling the TKO the quote unquote, this is the way. <laughs> Bye, Nate. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I hate it too. I fucking hate it too. It's like naming a finisher the Baby Yoda. It's terrible. It smacks of uh, of just headline chasing, and I hate it. I hate it. I have to wait for Nate to come back now. <laughs> yes, I'm still talking. I'm, I'm covering dead air here. I am covering dead air to make this show good, Nate. <laughs> I'm glad because that pisses me off. Okay, let me say yeah, this. It, I get Johnny Gargano as a fan of nerddom. Yeah, I, but I, not I, every fucking thing this kid does has to be fucking nerd. It's pissing me off, man. Stop taking know, my culture. I know, I know. Like I know. dog, the Mandalorian is only two fucking seasons old. You're gonna call your faction the way? You're gonna have your dude in the fucking thing call his move? This well, is the way. Come on, to be, get to the be fuck fair. Out of to here. be fair, they've been hyping the Gargano way. It was him and Candice? They've been doing that for like six months now. It's been the Gargano way. So that it makes more sense, I guess. The faction name itself doesn't bother me necessarily. 
but the yeah calling it this is the way is is really on the nose it's too on the nose man what are you gonna do next bring on a character called boba fett to join your fucking faction their 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 logo is gonna be baby yoda i will drop kick a baby fucking yoda That's your oh, episode God. title. I'm a dropkick <laughs> baby Yoda, motherfuckers. Like that's how I feel. That's that's a that's a GIC title. Come on. Man. I well, I know it's good little crossover here. We're a little bit of rock and roll with uh, that hip hop soul, you know. I, you could also just title the show, the title of the episode. Nate walks off the show. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one because I definitely did that. That pissed me off, man. I wasn't yeah. sure what you were gonna say, and uh, I, I didn't really to, I know. Like I didn't know how I would react, but <laughs> man. Um, so we also have Carrying uh, Crosses back and going to have a match with uh, Damian Priest. Uh, we also have oh a, a cross versus a priest. I bet the little boys lose. Buzzing. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, on the on the note of good things, at least um, we do have a uh, title match now for New Year's Evil. Oh, rematch, rematch, Finn Balor, Kyle O'Reilly. Hey, Kylo's going over. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm honestly tempted to say that may happen. Kylo, Kylo, um, just you heard it here first, folks. Nate's intuition, which a lot of times is right, I'm kicking it in. It's saying he's walking away with that gold. There's two things that complicate it to me. I'd love to see it. Don't get me wrong. I want to see that. Sure. Two things complicated. One, they're teasing Balor and Cross already. They've already teased that last week. You don't do you you don't tease it and then not do it. Um, the other thing is that the undisputed era. If if Kyle wins the title, that's your breakup angle for undisputed era. Yep. I don't know who goes. They don't. I'm not going to say who goes heel, who goes face. That's your breakup angle. But right now they're still feuding with Pat McAfee's group, ostensibly. So. <clears throat> We're not. I'm not sure if that's done yet. If that's not done yet, you don't break up the team. Let's talk about that. Let, you brought up Pat McAfee for a second. Let, I just want to mm-hmm. bring this guy up for a second. He has had in the past month and a half more praise from actual talented promo guys than more Austin pro wrestlers in the industry today, and that's saying Austin, something. Austin was hyping him up on uh, on ESPN the other day. He is a fucking yeah. legit promo. He has whatever, and we talk about it all the time on this show, whatever that intangible is that makes wrestlers great on the mic, McAfee has it. And it's really I, a really kind of a crazy, beautiful story when you think this guy had yep. a career in the NFL, National Football League, and he's not becoming Kevin Green or Mongo McMichaels. He's actually making the craft better and bringing mm-hmm. his best. And it shows I, and Austin, I think Austin's word was that he takes it seriously. Yep. He gives a damn. And this is com- coming from somebody who's been a McAfee fan for a long time, not just as a fan of the Colts, uh, grown up in Indianapolis, but he, I'm a big, uh, in terms of radio, I've been listening to Bob and Tom since I was a kid. My dad used to listen to it with me. There you go. And I still, I still listen to him every day. Well, McAfee actually lives, down the road from Bob of Bob and Tom. He was on their show multiple times just nice. as, a, as a friend of the show. <clears throat> he's done enough stand-up comedy where he's got his improv skills down really well and doing all that stuff with Bob and Tom on the radio is what led him to do the Pat McAfee show podcast. 
that's how honestly the dude i knew the dude had bought a ring because uh, a wrestling ring for his house years ago because he talked about it on the show yeah, and of course that show is where we have this amazing uh, Adam Cole moment that well, seemed. I mean, about he talked about it on Bob and Tom. Oh, he talked about yeah, it on yeah, Bob and Tom. Yeah, I he talked you. about it on Bob and Tom. But, but yeah, then that led to him going to Barstool Sports, which, for those of you in media, Barstool Sports is someplace you don't deal with anymore because Barstool Sports is full of chauvinistic ass bags. Oh yeah. Um, but he left Barstool because he's ostensibly not a chauvinistic ass bag. Um. And started his own podcast, which got him on WWE's radar, which led to him appearing at the NXT show that your boy got to go to. That's so random. It was just a house show, too, right? Yep. It was just a house show. And all he was going to do, all he did was uh, he was the guest announcer, ring announcer for uh, Adam Cole versus Aleister Black. And this is not long after both of them had just started. Yeah. Yeah. well, maybe maybe a little bit longer. I think Cole wasn't in the title picture yet. But this he was, was probably still, in the North uh, American yeah. title. This was, uh, yes, still uh, the North American title hadn't, inter- hadn't been introduced yet. Okay, so it was like the, because uh, it was like the November before that or something you went? Uh, it was, uh, it was right before TakeOver Philadelphia. Because this was in the middle of the Gargano-Almas feud. Yeah, TakeOver Philly, though, yeah. that was where they crowned. The, no, the North the, American the, title, North, right? No, nah, North American title was Takeover New Orleans. New Orleans, see, I, yeah. I, I, I fucked those. It was, two a, up. it was a, it was a WrestleMania takeover. That's right. That you are right. Um, so I think this was Rumble prior to that Mania, I, I believe. Um, well, yeah, because uh, 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 yeah, actually, it was prior to that first. Uh, it was prior to that first uh, mania because uh, it was prior to uh, Roderick Strong joining the Undisputed Era. So I'm thinking a timeline here, but yeah, somewhere in that frame of the timeline. But I digress. Um, McAfee was the guest announcer for uh, Adam Cole versus Aleister Black. I think I may even still have some of the video on my phone from that. Nice. I've got a couple pictures of him. And the, the only he'd gotten into some beef with Cole prior to the show. They like, they took video of it to air at the show just to hype up the crowd a little bit. But um, they had, uh, I believe Cole was going to go after Black with a chair, and uh, McAfee jumped up in the ring and grabbed the chair out of his hands. That was the most physical he got. But that relationship building there was what brought him to WWE, got him hired on by WWE to do color commentary and the like. He worked with Michael Cole for a while and actually got bitched out by Michael Cole at one point. Really? Reportedly, for wearing for not showing up in a suit. Like he wore his he wore his jorts and uh, got yelled at. And I'm pretty sure he told Cole essentially, fuck off. I don't need to be here. I'm doing this for my I'm doing this for shits and giggles. I don't have to be here. So I don't need to take that from you. But Woo. uh <clears throat> pretty much the same thing he told uh the Ryan Grigson, the Colts GM that he left because of. I don't have to be here for your benefit. Fuck you. Um, which is another reason I like McAfee. But yeah, all that led to him becoming a role on NXT uh, as the hype guy, as the pre-show guy, and then led further into the Adam Cole feud, which he got in the ring now, and now he's working, and now we get this, and now he's pretty much the best heel in NXT. And he's not only just a heel 
uh, wrestler. He's also a heel manager and can play the dual role. And that's huge because let's say, let I, I don't want this to happen, but let's say he got injured. He doesn't have to take time off TV if he doesn't want to and further that character. Right. He can go even harder in the paint just being a mic guy for Lorcan and imagine, Birch. Can you imagine, say he broke his leg or something? Can or, you imagine him walking around in the air boot and crutches, cutting promos? And yes. Being the fucking New Age. Uh, uh, Bob Orton, buddy. I was going to say Bob Orton or, or Weasel. Yeah, totally. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. New age, he's got some Heenan vibe to him where he doesn't mind making an ass of himself. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Underrated. Um, so that's NXT. Um, the women's title still kind of up in the air. Io Shirai just uh, retained her, so I'm not, I don't think they have a number one contender for her yet. Hmm. Um, trying to think if there's any other major angles going that I don't really recall. Um, SmackDown. SmackDown has been the better show by a, a country mile, mostly because of Roman Reigns. Um, the uh, Big E and Sami Zayn feud is kind of fun. Okay. Because I, I know right now the we're coming up on Rumble season here. Uh, after TLC, it'll be the next pay per view is the Rumble. And right now, I think betting odds have the Rumble winners as uh, Goldberg is one of them, of course. Now, but. Um, Keith Lee is mentioned in there. Mm. Big E is also a pretty heavy favorite to win the Rumble right now. That'd be pretty cool to give Big people, E a, a title push. There's, there's a lot of people that kind of want to see Big E versus Roman Reigns feud and have him be the one that finally gets to go over Reigns at some point, which, truth be told, I think Reigns is probably on board with. For um, sure. I will say this, that right now I love the Kevin Owens Reigns feud because they are perfect personalities to bounce off of each other, for one. And um, I'm going to throw out that Reigns on Friday night this past week hit another fucking level of heeldom uh, in a segment backstage. Did you happen to catch that? No, sir. Okay. So the whole idea with Reigns' character, this, this uh, head of the table, Mafia Don, whatever you want to call him, Sure. He believes he provides for the WWE. He believes that he is the provider for his family. And when he's, when the top champ on WWE is good, when they're really rolling, then everybody eats better, right? Yeah. So he is, he is the head of the table and he is a benefit for everybody else. What he does benefits everyone. Um, we're now getting back to the idea of KO's character, Kevin Owens' character being the fight for my family the family type. And uh, it's been mentioned a couple times that uh, they're going to have their TLC match. Well, Reigns made a couple comments about Owens family and Owens took it very personally. So we get to this backstage segment after a Owens match or Owens beatdown, I believe. Okay. And Owens gets jumped from behind by Reigns. Oh no. Uh, Owens beat up, uh, Jay Uso. Owens was in the ring doing a promo and did a bunch of shit with tables, ladders, and chairs. Uso comes out at the urging of Reigns to go, you know, teach him some fear. Sure. And Owens Owens boot partied him. Reigns comes out and wants to go get involved, and Heyman talked him out of it. Heyman says, no, you work on the champ's time. You do what you need to do when you want to do it. And Reigns backs off. Cut backstage. Owens is walking around, and that's when he gets jumped by Reigns. 
beats him up, throws him against, against like the containers and everything, but then turns around, looks directly into the camera. No, no mic, no interviewer, just looking, grabs the camera, he's looking right at it and starts talking to Owen's wife and kids. Oh, and saying, you see this? This is your daddy. He puts food on your table. You need to go talk some sense into your daddy because if you don't, I'm going to take food off of your table. Oh, <laughs> like oh. I'm going to make sure he can't provide for you anymore. <laughs> I'm going to be, and he's doing this with a smile the entire time. Like, this is what I'm going to do. It is cold as shit. Sadistic. It's awesome. It is flat out awesome. Cool. And again, we touched on it before, but this is the, the range character has always been best, not necessarily as a heel, but I mean, obviously now as a heel, but in the past, when he was with the shield, his best work was when he was the shit talker. Like in the shield matches, you could hear him talking shit throughout the entire match. Oh, you want to come in here starting this ruckus? Bow! They are very much playing up on that now. For like, sure. Now, it helps that obviously you don't have crowd noise to, to deafen them out. They can adjust it as needed. But there's so many times in the ring where you hear what he's saying to the other person, and it's awesome. Oh, yeah. So the funny thing is, it's kind of uh, uh, art imitating life and life imitating art where range is really, really, really good. And that makes the show really, really, really good. <laughs> so his character isn't really wrong. <laughs> and that's the best kind of heel. Oh, yeah. When 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 you're like, so, I get where he's coming from. Shit. When you can relate at all to a heel it makes him harder to hate and then you kind of he you know what <clears throat> and i think i said it years ago and i think i've said it on this podcast with you roman was going to hit a time hopefully where he was like his his cousin the rock and he was going to be a hated heel to the point where we love him and we've arrived and it's kind of cool to see roman's journey and to like really think about it you know i i'm a really it's one instance where I'm actually kind of happy we don't have crowds and we don't have the crowd noise because I don't know if the crowds would boo him or cheer him because you boo him because he's a great heel because he's very booable, but he's also that cool, fun heel where you kind of want to, you cheer for him because you want to applaud him for, wow, that's really good work. So you don't want to add him colon, which is, yeah quite possible yeah it's a lot of fun uh there's other shit going on uh obviously carmelo's getting a smackdown title shot i i don't really care (laughs) um mostly because it seems like her gimmick her gimmick suits her she's doing this kind of like not quite mob boss like mafia mafia wives kind of thing like would make sense for her but it's like she's doing the same recycled Emelina Liv Morgan gimmick that mm. has failed like two or three times. It just works because it actually works for her. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't really care. You've made and, me tired of your product. WWE. Yeah. I mean, this whole year has made me tired of WWE products. So it's like this. It's like, you know, all year WWE has been feeding you shit sandwiches, right? Shit sandwich after shit mm-hmm. sandwich after shit sandwich. And then, so the one time they feed you a bologna sandwich, you're just like, nah, man, it tastes like shit still. 
Yeah. Like I don't really care or, that the flavors I changed. Know. I don't know the the if range is the bologna. The bologna is great, but uh, the <laughs> rest of it's still shit around it. It's just shit covered bologna. <laughs> 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 that, but it's you know, gonna be the episode title <laughs> shit covered baloney because holy fuck that's a, a gross visual <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah yeah yes it is yes it oh. very much is well i mean i guess maybe that's a good point to uh to stick a fork in this bad boy no man i can't either i just want to uh quickly take a second to thank all our facebook viewers watching us on facebook live here or now I'm going to spoil something here, but as of episode 10, we are now available on YouTube as well. So if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe, like, comment, share all those goodies. You know the drill. Hopefully we entertained you folks. If you are just an audio listener, you know where we can be found. But I'll just remind you again, if this is your first Rodeo, first time coming onto the show, you go to any of these podcasting platforms. It's Apple Music, Podbean, Stitcher, Radio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, TuneIn, YouTube, or Amazon Music, and search Journey Into Comics Network. Smash that subscribe button. You'll get our feed of amazing shows across the board. A lot of different stuff coming out there for you folks. And I think <sighs> we've arrived, Buckles. We're here. I, I feel like I feel like that's the best way to go out, yeah. Excellent. Well, folks, I want to thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of Journey Into Wrestling. This has been Journey Into Wrestling Season 5. Episode 10. A shit-covered baloney. <laughs> I have been Nate. Uh, God help me, I want a cold-cut sandwich now. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. No, I don't. Uh. Anyways, I mean, even though it's kind of been a little shitty, this episode has been too sweet. Oh, God. Later, guys. We'll see you. <laughs>